Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was a seed for this podcast. Then during the 2020 election, we watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence, and we got inspired. We want to hear, share, and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered. We want to give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying, I am speaking. Hello. Hello. Welcome, friends. Welcome to another episode of I Am Speaking. Yes, it is our fourth episode of the season two of Sexuality and Gender Spectra. We have Alicia Elkins, who is a friend of mine. This is like several friends of mine. Yeah, it's this this season apparently is all friends of yours. Or many friends of yours. I have at least. several friends. It's kind of exciting for me to realize that I have like a bunch of friends. Um, but Alicia is a gay woman who came out in her early twenties and her coming out story is really unique. I mean, I, I haven't heard a story like this. That's true. And we don't, you know, we, it's not like we go around interviewing every lesbian we know right. about What's their, your coming out story? What's your coming out right, story? They're coming out stories, but certainly this is not, um, anything I had ever heard before, even in the, you know, conversations I'd had with some of my friends and colleagues about, you know, what their experiences were like. This was, it was really cool. Um, and it's really such a, you know, just, it speaks to, her story speaks to the fact that when you've talked to one person and you've heard their coming out story, you've only talked to one person and heard their coming out story that, you know, to make generalizations about who people are based on one person's story is um, pretty ridiculous. So I, I actually love her story. I love that, you know, she had this community behind her and how she told her parents and what her parents assumed. Um, that's one of the things I love about this podcast is just how open people have been so far. Oh, it's really been um, touching that people will trust us with their stories um, and, and be willing to be so open and share what's been hard and what's been easy-ish, um, what people haven't even thought about. I feel like Alicia's another example of something, of someone's story where you think you might know how it's gonna go and it doesn't go that way at all. Um, and that's been a real joy to have my own assumptions and my own stories checked um, in addition to being able to share it with everyone. One of my favorite things about this season that we've incorporated, um, not only with the Femelect, but the advice it has been awesome because what I love is that every single person, you know, going back to that, like every single person has their own story. Every single person has words of wisdom and advice that they would give either their younger selves or young people who are going through similar, you know, mental experiences. And um, it's been so different. And yet every single one of them were like, wow, that's really good. Like, that's really important for everybody, not just LGBTQ 
coming out stories, but just to be a good human person. I mean, the people have really shared amazing pieces of advice. So, um, you know, take heed, I would say to our listeners, uh, with what Alicia says too. Mm -hmm. So enjoy my very, very good friend, Alicia. She is speaking. I am Alicia Elkins and I am speaking. Well, thank you. My gorgeous friend. How are you? Thank you for having me. I will go on record saying that, you know, a coach is interviewing a gay person and her instruction to me was go to the closet for sound quality. (laughs) I got to get that out on the record because that was amazing. Um, But I'm, I'm, it's pretty funny. We, I'm very happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast and it's great to be talking to both of you. We love that you're here. Well, wonderful. Yeah, we were reflecting. (laughs) uh, We actually just were hanging out. We were hanging out this weekend and we're just reflecting about how how ironic it is. (laughs) I'm in my office, but how ironic it is that we are, you know, talking about talking to and getting stories from people who are in the LGBTQA plus spectrum and that coach is like I'm going into the closet (laughs) to talk well and like I was texting Brian was asking me if Anushka could play the piano because she's got a piano lesson and instead of texting Brian back I texted Alicia on accident and I said no you'll be fine I'm all the way back in the closet (laughs) and I was like oh I'm not I'm sorry (laughs) this is a good this is a good start (laughs) yeah exactly yeah 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 so uh since you're familiar with our podcast, um, I don't need to go into that much detail, obviously, about sort of what we're doing and what we're going to do. But uh, the goal really is to try and share as many stories as we possibly can um, from as many people across the spectrum um, as possible. And, you know, this is where it gets complicated, obviously, um, racial and ethnic lines and nationality and you know your your religious background and all kinds of things have a significant impact on what your experience is you know having come to the having you know come to the place of being like I'm you know I need to come out of the closet and this is what you know this is who I am and this is the kind of life I'm living um and this, you know, these are the choices I'm making about who I'm, you know, how I'm going to present myself to the world. Um, and we could just interview everyone and everyone else. And it would just, this season could take years if we let it. Um, sure. On the other hand, you should absolutely not feel like you, you know, have to represent every lesbian on the yeah, planet. Yeah, I couldn't. Um- <laughs> um, right. And speak like, okay, so this is my experience, but other people have these experiences. Like, we just want to hear your story. Yeah, and you don't have to say like, you know, I don't represent everybody. We know. You also don't have to say, I'm no expert. We know, right? Like, I think a lot of people are, you know, because we ask for advice. We're going to ask for advice of people. Like, what would you, and so I've stopped saying, can you give advice? And we're like, what would you advise? Right. Because it's it's just that simple word difference is like, we know you're not an expert. We know that you're you're not here as an expert. We have expert people come on like therapists and stuff like that. What we want to do with this podcast is give everyone a platform to say, I am speaking and to, to amplify those voices who have been shushed and othered and shoved away from the table and not given a place. And that includes, that includes your story. That includes your voice. Yeah. 
Um, if there's ever anything you don't want to talk about, um, even if it crops up here, you're like, oh, I don't want to say that part. I, I don't want to delve into that. That's absolutely fine. You could say it here. And then also up until your episode will um, air, I have it on like July 28th. Oh. So it's going to come up in a couple of weeks. Um, then you, up until that air date, you can be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that thing. I shouldn't have. I always say like, I shouldn't have called my mom a stupid, ugly bitch. <laughs> okay, then we'll take it out. We'll take it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Right, so there will be a moment and I know it, it changes with certain people um, that like, you'll forget about the microphone and you'll just be talking to two people. Because mm. no. Shulshi and I also like, we're yeah. sisters. So we're like- Yes, Conver- no, it's good, conversational. No, that I think that's uh, one of the great things about your podcast is that this sort of, this great rapport you have with each other uh, really syncs well with like the guests and you're both just really engaging. So it's, no, it's gonna be good. I love that. Thank you. Well, so then let's, let's jump go. right into it. And I actually did move my, I might move my mic to the right place. For some reason, that always ends up like way back. Where you're like, now you too. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a mic. All right. So uh, welcome. Thank you. To our Thanks podcast. for having me. Start, start there. Um, our goal is really to hear your story and to amplify your story. Um, and so I think, you know, to start with, let's just start with, you know, when did you so what was that process like for you? Realizing I was gay. I think so many times. Well, and I think what we're what we're understanding from so many people is that you don't realize it just it's not like a lightning bolt that comes all down from the sky and you're like, oh, this was the moment I realized that those those it's it's a process of understanding who you are. And we had we had a drag you know. queen on. We had a drag queen on a couple weeks ago and, um, or we recorded it and he was, I was like, is that, did you, were you out? And he goes, well, I, I experimented with boys, but like, I wasn't gay. Like, I, so it's like, yeah, it, it's that like when you're physically doing things, when you're mentally prepared to say something and when you actually like come out and identify as that thing, they might all be different. Types. Well, yeah, for mm-hmm. me, like, I mean, it kind of was a, a lightning bolt. I mean, I had. Oh, okay. So I'm yeah. So I had always, you know, I grew up in Texas, so very conservative area. Um, and I had always, you know, dated. I mean, generous call them men. I always dated boys uh, in high school, and I had a high school sweetheart, and that was fine. But it was never anything like electrifying or like off the charts. Then I went to college across the country, um, you know, and was dating men there. And it was a very, very, very small college, like 500 kids per campus. There were two campuses in the country, so very small. So I got there and it was just having, again, kind of like underwhelming uh, dating experiences. And my uh, best friend today was matched with me as a freshman. She ended up being my roommate and we've been best friends ever since. And we were uh, sophomore year, you know, after a year of dating, a bunch of guys like, ah, fine, like just something's wrong with you, something's wrong with you, you're just not the right one. We were like laying in a hammock together, just like chatting. And she was like, you know, I need to like, tell you something. And I was like, what's up? She was like, no, dude, like you're gay. And I was like, what? I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not gay. But I 
when she said that, I was like, oh my God, like it never honestly occurred. I was 20 years old. It never occurred to me that I was gay, that like, I, I guess I just always thought, you know, there's something deficient about this guy I was dating or this guy it just never was even on my radar. I think because I was in such a conservative area growing up that that was even an option. Uh, and so when she said that, I was like, well, no, you're wrong. But inside I was like, oh my God, I must be gay. And so this was toward the end of, end of the year, sophomore year. And uh, we were both about to transfer to the other campus in the country, which is in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so it was almost summer break. So I was like, holy shit, I gotta like, you know, really, you know, spend some time with this idea and like get acquainted with it because it was really awful and scary to me. And like looking back, the awful and scary part was like losing the privilege I thought I had. If I'm like being totally like really in 2021 reflecting back and I probably couldn't have said it quite in those terms even a few years ago but it's like you know I wasn't an other before right I'm a white woman moving through the world no problems and all of a sudden I'm a white woman moving through the world at a time you know this was you know in in 2006 you know, when just the landscape was completely different for gay people. I mean, forget about the, the trans stuff, forget about bisexual. I mean, even to be gay at that time was just not a thing. And so uh, it was very scary. And so I went home. Yeah, like your life, your life is about to get much harder. Yeah. And so I went home to Texas that summer and I had two goals. Goal one study for the GRE. I was in a little course because I wanted to go to grad school. I was <laughs> finishing off my sophomore year. I'm like, goal one, study for the GRE and do a good job. Goal two, come out to myself and everyone I know. So wow. I... That's a very ambitious goal for us. Yeah, it was. For a 20-year-old. Yeah. yeah. So I'm... Well, and, and I was going to say, and for someone who like literally had the idea dropped on them, maybe a month before yeah. this. Yeah. And thank God. I mean, like she, I think she, she saved me a lot of time because I would I'm, just like to say though, I love the confidence where you were sure that there was deficiency in all of those dudes. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't <laughs> you at all. You're no. like, this guy, this guy is messed up because like, it was, it was so about every, like everyone else is deficient. Yeah. I do kind of love that confidence in you. <laughs> the confidence and like, uh, or it's like, yeah, it's him or it's just, there's just not this not thing chemistry. between yeah. us. Exactly. So, Which, so there are two things about that. One, you're dealing with a bunch of 20 to 22 year old dudes, young yes. men who are, you know, it's likely that they dudes, even if, right, they're just, <laughs> You're not going to find the love of your life. It's very few people find the love of their life in college, yeah. right? It's, it takes a real uh, special match to make that happen. But the second thing is uh, they were all deficient, which is they were not women. Exactly. <laughs> the primary deficiency was, yeah. You were absolutely right. Well, there's something wrong with all these people I'm dating. Yeah, they're yeah. not the right kind. They're not yeah. women. That's exactly. true. So I went home to Texas <laughs> And I had 
had enrolled in this GRE course that I would go to every day. And after I would go to my little class, I would go to the Barnes and Noble and I would slink into the, you know, gay section. Again, we're in Texas. I'd like find a book that, you know, maybe was relevant. You were not the only one in that section. No, I mean, maybe I was because I think like, I'm just sort of, you know, I want the information. I want to like educate myself and that's how I get on solid ground. And so I would find the book and then I go grab a magazine. And I remember sitting in the Barnes and Noble, like on the ground, like with a magazine in front of my gay book, because I didn't want to be seen reading this book. And so I, you know, I read a lot and yeah, I just was trying to First, in the first couple months of the summer, like get okay with it for myself. And then my uh, goal at the end of the summer, before I moved to a different state and started this new campus was that I wanted to be totally out when I got to my new place, which is very terrifying. And so for me, I'm just not like somebody that can live with secrecy. And I just want everybody to know what's going on with me in my what to expect circle yeah and so I made a lit I decided I will come out to everyone important to me in seven days and so I made a list of all the people I would either meet with in person or call and it was about 10 to 15 people every day to just come out and like do the process so that I felt like I had maybe normalized my immediate circle you know, and that I could then move to a new place out. And yeah, like arrive in New Mexico as totally out to everybody in my life and to myself and like ready to find somebody. And, and the people that you were meeting from then on. Yeah, that was the idea. That was the idea. <laughs> that was the idea. Well, I, have two, I, have, I have two questions here. One of them is, uh, you know, I... The next step, the next you know, sort of logical question to ask is like, and how did it go? But before we go to that question, I'm really interested in the idea of like, do you think that is a young person's approach no. to their identity, right? Or is that you, right? Because I can see how like, or let me take that back and say, I have noticed in my own child who's going to be 14, that there is a bit of like, I need to have it figured out. And then I need to tell everyone about it. I need to wear my identities, like a t-shirt, like a, one of those sandwich boards and walking yeah. around so everyone can see exactly who I am and what I'm about. So Shayla, she's oldest is non-binary. Cool. Has come right. out in this past year as non-binary. And I would say last year, it was like, if we misgendered them, if it was like accidentally said she, it was like, we just like cut her once, you know, like we stabbed yeah. her. Like it was so, yeah. it was so important. Or is it, is it the kind of thing, would you say it's about like, oh, I figured this out now and now I need to live it. Like, I can't, like, I can't hide yeah, it. No, I, it, it's not so much the latter. It, it, um, it was still about me and my own needs, but it was really about, for me, I was never, I've never been comfortable. I've never been um, comfortable with. I don't know. It, it's such such a big part of who you are, and I never like wanted to hide such a big part of myself with 
the sure. people that were in, you know, my intimate circle of friends and family. And so, um, what's really interesting is that like that, I, and I know this is goes without saying, but like straightness is the default. So no, like, we is. don't go around calling people and tell like, you don't introduce pe- yourself to people and be like, hi, my name is Kosha and uh, I'm, I'm a straight person. Yeah. Like, but you felt the need to call. I don't have to call all of my inner circle and be like, I'm straight. Yeah. Hey, just FYI, I'm still straight, you know, but yeah. like you <laughs> had right. to do that with seven or 10 to 15 people a day. Yeah. Well, I think that the sort of default, even in uh, when people come out, I think, you know, people I've dated or gay friends that I've had, you know, it's always sort of been a secret until it was not right. It like, it was an outing or a, you know, finally it's time. I've been with somebody long enough that I'm, but the fact is I came out before I'd even kissed a woman. Like I had never had physical contact with a woman and I knew I was Mm. gay and I just knew I had it had to just get that out there because I didn't want to have to think about other people anymore. So I thought if I communicated it to everybody, then I'm done thinking about them and I'm like, can focus on what I'm trying to find, which is like, you know, somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the sort of second part of that question is, and how did it go? Yeah. Well, it, it, it did not go the way I thought it would go. <laughs> so it wasn't like this perfect scientific system. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I did make my lists every day. I had, I mean, and I was committed to checking them off and making it happen. Um, and the first people I told were my parents and I thought that was appropriate. I told my mom first. And while I was at that Barnes and Noble, I bought a book called like, what to do if your kid tells you they're gay something I mean the yeah. title was like very like basic like that so I yeah. was like well I'm an information person I like I like to get the information so I'll buy this for my mom and when I tell her I'm gay I will give her this book so um I sat her down in our dining room I'll never forget her alone I said I, I have something I need to tell you and I just could not spit it out and I was like I'm sorry like, give me a second. And she said, I know. Like, I don't know if I was like relieved or like, I didn't know how I felt, but she said, like everyone fucking knew except for me. No, like- no she goes, uh, you're pregnant. And I was like, oh. and for a moment, I, I for a oh. moment, I was like, we should go with it. I should go with this because I think she would love a, she would love a baby. <laughs> like this is, this is what she's thinking. She said, you're pregnant. And I said, um, I mean, it's kind of the opposite. And I said, Oh, that's good. I'm gay. And then she like, didn't say anything. And I said, I mean, I'm really gay. Because I knew that there was, you know, some equivocating that could happen. Like, well, maybe you're just like, kind of interested You're in college or dabbling. It's a phase. It's a we phase. have talked about this a few times about like, it's a phase. Don't worry yeah. about it. Well, and, and, and yeah. I don't quite remember all the details of the conversation, but I remember her saying it coming up that I had never been with a woman, never had any physical. And she said, well, then how do you know? And I just said, well, I just, I just know. And she said, okay, well, I need to be there when you tell your father. <laughs> you know, it's like, Okay. That's fine. And then I, you know, on the, a, a subsequent car ride, 
you know, we were just listening to music and she kind of turned on music and said, so, I mean, do you know what your type is? And I know what she's picturing. I know she's picturing like motorcycles and flannel and like, what, you know, is this what you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like, I don't know. I, I said, I don't think that, but no, I don't think that. I think I'm attracted to like feminine women and that seemed to make it easier, which is, you know, interesting and a whole nother like topic of conversation. But, um, so then we went to my dad's house and my parents are 80 or excuse me, 20 years apart. So, uh, my dad was 20 years older than my mom. And so this was, mm. I mean, he was in his seventies, uh, when this conversation happened and went to his apartment and, you know, my mom was like, Alicia has something she needs to tell you. And I was like, yep, totally. And, and you're so, like, I'm pregnant. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what do you think? You want to be a grandpa? I just said, you know, I am really gay. That I remember saying it that way because I'm not even like letting you equivocate. And he, yeah. you know, old white dude said From to Texas, me like old texas dude old yeah. white texas dude said alicia i love you more today than i did yesterday and i think this is wonderful and i think you should go tell everyone yeah wow. like just the most like beautiful response and so supportive and that's what i did so that's when i made my list of people to tell based on his advice and yeah, it's really wow. special. Did you expect different reactions? I think I thought everyone was going to say, we already knew. Because I was a tomboy as a kid. Mm. I mean, really, like, I, like, wanted my hair cut like a little boy. I, I was, I liked to play with the boys. I thought this was, like, occurring to me, but everybody, like, I was last in on the, the joke or something. Um, and what ended up happening as I started telling other people was people were saying, I mean, more or less people weren't believing me because you know, we're on a mm. zoom right now. And, but this is a podcast, like, you know, I appear feminine in my, right. you know, appearance. I have like longer hair, you know, that's yeah. you wouldn't necessarily tell from people will see pictures of you so yes you present like a woman yeah. exactly and so nobody believed me especially because especially because i was open about saying i'd never been with a woman and it was like a double mm. whammy of like okay we'll see and i was like so is this kind of like you look and act like a girl and you have never actually had a relationship or even an encounter yeah. with a woman. So, and we know you've been with men. Like exactly. We know that you've dated boys. Yeah. So, like, I, I'm sorry, it just doesn't seem. Like yeah, a thing, sorry. Right? Like, like, you know, I, you must be mistaken. Hard to wrap our head around. And I remember one of my relatives I told was more or less said like, kind of like that's a like what a waste. Like, and I think that was supposed to be a compliment, like, you know, but it wasn't obviously. And just that. What a waste of a uterus. Like, yeah, you're going to date women, but like, you know, you're this, 
you're so good you're a girl and like you could you know have a handsome boy yeah what a waste of a uterus is what people are saying exactly exactly so well so I got through my every day I told a bunch of people um and again very mixed reactions some of them were very surprising in, in a positive way some of the people that I was most afraid to reveal this to ended up being the biggest cheerleaders for me which was great learning experience and some of my closest people just totally invalidated what I was telling them and at the time I didn't have like the wherewithal to say well that's like quite shitty of you but you know looking back but then you have to have empathy because this was like not the time and like I put them on the spot and what are you gonna what are you gonna say but so uh, embarrassing enough, I will admit it for you guys. At the end of my seven days, I had bought myself a ticket for one to the Melissa Etheridge concert coming <laughs> to Dallas. And I was like, this is going to be my only mission of coming out. I'm going to tell everybody, and I'm going to go to Melissa Etheridge. And it's going to be like my lesbian celebration. And I did. I went by him. Your lesbian, like, pilgrimage. This is it, you know? So I went to this concert and I've never told anybody this, but I went there and of course it was like just lesbians everywhere, seeing lesbians. And next to me was a lesbian couple. So I just, I felt very like at home and felt very excited about my future with this new community. And the, the people next to me were so friendly and they said, you know, like, oh, are you here by yourself? And you know what I said? the culmination of my coming out i'm waiting on my boyfriend huh right so couldn't quite get there for myself and that was really disappointing but like that's what it was at the time did it did it just that just fell out of your mouth no i just felt ashamed i even amongst this community of people were like obviously there was no shame I just did not want to be an, the other. I did not want to be. Even in a place where like a heterosexual person was yeah. an other. I didn't want to be the minority. I just didn't like the way it felt. And like, I think about that a lot, especially with conversations that are happening. The, the very important political conversations that are happening in 2021 and in 2020 uh, about being othered and about minorities and about people of color and I just man like you know I I think about it often but also I mean and I appreciate what you're saying and how you think about it but I mean you were what 21 or something and 20 and one of I mean choosing feeling like you're making a choice no one would choose to be other exactly Right. And so up until that moment, you took everything by the reins. Everything was, I'm controlling this. I'm sitting down with my mom. I'm talking to my dad. And then at that moment was at that concert was the first time that you are putting it out there and losing that sense of power and control over your situation. Good observation for sure. Yeah. I wasn't ready to own it in the way that I thought I was owning it. I was just, I will own it in my controlled little environment, but if I have to own it in the world, that's different and feels different. And 
I obviously am not quite ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went on to school. You went to New Mexico. So then I got to yeah, um, my, my, yeah. my new college and I was like, yes, like I'm so excited. I'm ready to have like, you know, really, yeah, I've always had you know, positive sexual experiences with men, but like just different. I'm like, I'm ready to dial it in, find some women and like experiment, right? And I got there again. Uh, 500 kids on a campus and I got there and no gay women it was just I was the first one first out ever <laughs> well I don't know about ever but like just at that time there was nobody else like maybe there was one gay man this was at a time and it was kind of a, kind of a strange school but like you know it was just me and I thought what the hell like I'm supposed to like oh, crap. come here and like I'm ready to do this and like like, there's nobody I'm in a literal desert there's nobody yeah right (laughs) and so I you know I had all these classes and you know a very tiny class size and I remember you know having this like uh like literature uh teacher and I asked her to like have lunch with me just because I was a new student and that's common transfers you know have lunch with these, these teachers and she said, well, how's it going? And I said, well, you know, I felt like quite safe with her. And I said, to be honest, it's like very hard right now because I just came out and like I got here and that was even scary to say that, but I was like trying to be, trying yeah. to be really brave. And I was like, and I got here and it's like, there's nobody here for me. And she kind of looked at me odd and I was like, oh, of course, like this is, ter- <laughs> this is terrible everything is terrible yeah right and she said i mean did you know i was gay and i said no oh wow and she said i am she said i have a partner i've been with for a long time she said i understand what you're going through but it's really gonna be okay you will find your people and that was real like generous of her and a real turning point for me with like being okay on campus because I at least had one person, even if she was, you know, 20 years older than I was and in a totally different like position of power. And so I felt more okay because she shared that. And I more or less just like, let it go. I'm like, wait, just like be in school. It doesn't matter. Like, you'll I just imagine like 21 year old Alicia going up to all the women being, are you gay? You? Are you gay? You? 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 <laughs> Who's gay? Yeah. Exactly. Nobody. Nobody. Well, <laughs> everyone's like, no, no, no. Everybody's interested. Nobody's actually gonna commit, right? So, um, I had a great friend group that uh, my best friend and I, the, the friend that told me I was gay, she moved there with me, uh, <laughs> and we quickly found a great uh, group of girls on on this campus to like run around with and. Uh, one of them happened to be the woman who ended up being my first girlfriend. So there were other gay people on campus. You just didn't know exactly. it. Exactly. Or they didn't know it. Right? right. So Did you end up telling yeah. them? Was. No. Or no, no. your best friend is like the gay oracle? <laughs> yeah, like... no. I, she, she, might, she has the Ouija board for, <laughs> know, for, yeah. for gayness. Yeah. Uh, it's a real gift. So <laughs> no, uh, no. We just like had this started to develop this like really deep friendship um and then I sort of like heard it 
in passing that she had a crush on me and it became you know but even then it became this well I had a crush on her but I was like terrified and never you know had any experience with a woman and neither had she and so there was a lot of tension but like neither of us were like brave enough to like act on it and so make the first yeah yeah so for a long time we were just like it was very just charged friendship like dancing around each other like dancing around the issue right and like kind of flirting and people the it was such a palpable tension i thought people could like see it and so right right uh, yeah you're just like like everyone else everyone else was like oh my god could you please just get together already (laughs) like we're so tired yeah but it was like maybe it's not on anybody else's radar like it wasn't on my radar for a gajillion years you know so um Yeah. yeah one night you know just made a move and it was great and reciprocated um and that turned out to be like my first love my you know we were together for you know years kind of on it had some sort of on and off stuff but the whole time we were in college the relationship was basically a secret because it was such a small school and so you know all the hand-holding was in secret and like all everything was very shrouded and so even um, though you were out and she was out, she wasn't out. She did. This is her first experience with a woman, and she had been with men, and uh, she wasn't necessarily gay. So it was just an it was just mm. an experience with a, a singular person, um, and that was very hard because I was, you know, like out and like ready to have, you know, a like real girlfriend, and she was that but not in the same way she just was not in the same place and you know the whole you know years in it was sort of trying to figure out how we could be at the same place in the same time and it just never quite you know synced up so so your friends knew on campus yeah everybody knew i was well you mean about the two of us about the relationship yeah our close close friend group knew knew so that, so th- did that create, like, w- in the beginning, were you understand, like, so th- the reason I'm talking about this is, um, like, we weren't allowed to date when we were in high school and stuff. And she went to Illinois Math and Science Academy, which is a boarding high school. And so she had a boyfriend and, like, she was literally like, yeah, I have a boyfriend. What are you going to do? Pull me out of school? Like, <laughs> and mom and dad, our parents were. It was definitely a gambit <laughs> because I knew. No, I mean, if I were living yeah. at home, I don't ever think that would have been possible. It was a boarding school, so I could yeah. do a lot of things. And it was, what are you, you know, do? the best. Yeah. Right. And there is literally a, you're not going to pull me out of this great high school to go back to Shitty a high school. fairly crummy yeah. high school in a little town in the middle of yep. Illinois. Like, you're just not going to do that. So at least I knew I had the ace card you in that did, situation girl, you did. Um, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't have the ace card in that situation because I went to a really good public school so I couldn't be like what are you gonna do pull me out of school and they're gonna they're gonna be like yeah we're gonna say yeah boys, we are right like it's gonna be the opposite <laughs> or it would have been more like no we're not gonna pull you out of school we're just not gonna like, yeah we're gonna ground you like you're never gonna leave this house or whatever and so yeah. you know for me I've I had a couple of boyfriends who I at first I was like my parents can't know that we're dating and then that was 
okay in the beginning because it didn't seem like a big deal until it became so secret and like don't pick me up like you gotta drop me off like a couple of streets or not streets but a couple of houses away so I could so you know like it just yeah. was very became burdensome to a point where I could tell it was like starting to grate on them so what did is that kind of a similar experience with you where you were like okay with being secretive at in the beginning well sure I was okay with anything I was like oh my right. god this is, <laughs> you know the secrecy is sexy but then it's sad and it's both yeah. the whole time right so and, and I was also quite you know empathetic to her awakening to her own sexuality because everybody has a different experience and so you know she had been with men and was attracted to men and like just wasn't sure like at the time in our relationship the communication to me was I'm attracted to men and I I'm attracted to you you know it's not that I'm gay mm. and so that was uh kind of the narrative for the whole relationship which was you know a couple years and then we we graduated and for me it was like you know the height of like just being very in love and for her I I don't know but I know that like she felt like she couldn't continue with it and so uh we said goodbye and I moved to New York and she moved to Chicago and that was sort so of she moved to Chicago mm -hmm. So that was that. the, the like end of it. Um, and we remained friends and like tried to be friends and were, but it was definitely difficult. And then we both, you know, moved on with different relationships and yeah. yeah. So not, not wow. to keep doubling down on like the identity part of it, because I know you don't have to identify as anything, right? You don't have to be straight. You don't have yeah. to be hetero or gay or lesbian or whatever, but like was because so, I have known somebody else um who's been like with somebody a woman was a, with a woman and that other woman was like I'm what identified as heterosexual but was with my friend and was kind of like what your ex-girlfriend was saying is like no 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 I'm heterosexual but this is about me and you yeah was there a moment where she said like I'm bi I'm like or, or was this not like uh, the identifying and the labeling was just am, am I am I seeing this too in black and white I no I think it's a fair question and I don't know I mean I don't I don't really recall what the sort of narrative around her self-identification was I know that you know I know that now she identifies as gay you know oh, she dates okay. women and you know that's a long journey and you know, there's just a, such a host of factors that go into when and how you can come to terms with who you're into. Yeah, it's a weird, you know, weird experience to be in. But, you know, there's just a lot of, I remember just feeling so much empathy because I remember how difficult it was for me. And it was very clear for me. So imagine if it was not as clear, right? If you aren't, attracted to men here and there and like you're like hey oh and there's all this societal pressure to identify yourself and you know tell us what your sexuality is well like, why number one but number two that's like so hard you're asking this of literal children like people whose like frontal lobes are have just finished developing 
why why yeah that's absolutely true so this it seems like this is where i would say this with this person your paths diverged yeah. right she went and she went one direction you went another direction you went to new york yeah i mean new york must have been like a whole, just an amazing experience to be a young woman going from a college where there's like literally yeah, one no gay people. woman one gay female student you and one person that you know of who at least you were in a relationship with but like no yeah. one else right to new york city where it's like a wonderland i was like i'm ready yeah so i yeah i got there and i was like okay i'm you know i'm ready but i was also very sad i was super depressed and upset I, like, because of relationship with yeah i like love this woman and she like, just left me and i was totally you know annihilated it was very sad but i was like okay this is your time to rally you are in new york to your point and this was before apps existed they did not exist it was just websites like okay okay cuba.com match.com and i went on a bunch of dates and yeah. i just hated everybody like <laughs> nobody they were also deficient yeah, yeah, no, I just like, you know, you know, within a, I'm a big fan, you know, I'm married now, but I thought, man, speed dating, that is, you know, people make fun of it. I think that's the way because you do know so quickly whether a person yeah. is going to be a, a connection for you. Is there a connection? Give right. me one minute with a person and let me do that with 20 people. That's like way more efficient <laughs> for me. You know, we should, everybody should be doing this because you know, or you don't know. And I had Especially, Alicia's like this combination of the two of us, because like, yeah, she's like information. I need to read. Yes. What does it mean to be gay? I need to read about it. I'm going to get my mom a book about it. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then like, once you make that decision, you're like, then you go into solution, which is like efficiency. How yeah. it do I get to my goal as quickly as Well, I you can. do this like strange yeah. uh, math in your head where you say, okay, I'm a gay woman. I'm looking for another woman. So half the population. I'm looking for like a really feminine, beautiful woman who is really smart and really funny. And then I'm like telling my friend who told me I was gay, I'm like, oh my God, I'm looking for like less than one percent of the population like how am i gonna yeah, find right. this person yeah because that's you're taking out half of the population if you're looking for a woman but what percentage of those women right what percentage of those women are also looking for a woman yeah fair 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 yeah and then what percentage of women women like and then out of so it's like okay so all men out we're talking about women which is slightly half yeah, yeah, yeah. more than the population so at least the odds are better that way uh, by little margin, um, but then it's like the majority of those those women not exactly gay. Right, so straight women exactly. out right. So then, then you're talking about think about it even further. Okay, so then who are you attracted to? Well, some lesbians present in a way that wouldn't yeah. be attractive to you. All right, that further percent out, and then if you're attracted to someone, then it's like, could I get along with them? And that's just that that's just when you run the numbers dating, like right? I did, it was very depressing statistic. <laughs> well, and right. I think what's hard is the the one level that you had that heterosexual people do not have is that even amongst the half of the population that you're interested in dating, the percent of people who would be interested in dating Damn. you 
is relatively exactly. small. But, you know, just from the perspective of like, there's like 7 billion people on the planet. It's amazing that any of us find anyone to be with ever, yep. right? Like it's the fact, both Kosha and I have stories where it's like, it's kind of surreal that we even met mm -hmm. our partners mm -hmm. yeah. given the circumstances under which we met, yeah. right? So it's kind of like, how would you- No, it's mind blowing. Yeah, so it is mind blowing. There's hundreds of thousands of people in New York City. And yet, how am I gonna find somebody? Right. No, and it's like, oh my, it can be like more depressing the more saturated the population is because you're like, well, I'm not doing it. And and every day that I go on is like making me want to like, I'm just dying on the inside a little bit more because it's so painful. Why have you spent four hours with somebody? I No, I don't <laughs> like them in 10 minutes. Like, let's speed this thing up. Did you, you know? do speed dating? No, no. Okay. I, I just think like that's not, that needs to get in the mainstream maybe that's my like new career thing i think it needs to get in the mainstream because everybody's busy and you just know when you know instantly i i at least i do and well i think it's not even a matter of wasting your time i just find it really like emotionally draining and exhausting and i know from the first minute so and i don't want to be rude so i'm like well i guess i'll just sit here and <laughs> for four hours and i mean and that that is literally the experience of horrible dating. There's gotta be a better yeah. way. I mean, just <laughs> just most of the time you're gonna meet someone and you're gonna be like, not for me. Totally. Uh, which is, I mean, at least when I started getting serious about meeting someone, I was like, I'm only doing coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll have a small, I'll have a small, I'll have a small, a kid's coffee, please. Kid's coffee. Or I would like do stuff on the weekend at like 1030 in the morning, be like, hey, let's get together for coffee and like a bagel or something, 1030. Because if you're like, I gotta be somewhere. I have you, a lunch. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like where are you, if you get together for dinner, where really you have to be somewhere. Yeah, I have like, an no. important meeting at 1130. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's right. a Zoom, it's a Zoom in China, gotta yeah. go. Or I'm like, I have a meeting with my bed and my cat and my Netflix like that's what yeah. so you dated a lot in New York City and it was at least when you got there I'm not sure if you kept dating a lot so we could talk about that but you started dating in New York City and you were like this, this sucks. sucks and I actually then I met this awesome woman who like we just had this great instant connection but it was an instant for me friend connection and we went on a gajillion dates, but I just like wasn't sexually attracted to her. And she's still a friend today, but like, you know, nothing in New York ever panned out for me. I ended up, you know, moving back to Texas, long story, but then I moved to North Carolina to go to do some grad school stuff. And then I moved to Chicago. And that's like, for me, when, you know, things picked up a bit in that area because- And is it because you met me and Brian? And it's because I met <laughs> no. Coach and Brian. So I moved to I moved to Chicago to go to grad school. Uh, and I did that for a little while. And then I thought, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm doing with myself. I just need to like take a pause, a little leave of absence and like figure my life out because I was like, I don't know. I had been in a relationship and I was still a little bit hung up on this other woman. And I just didn't know like what, it was when you like realize yourself had like got away from you. You're like watching them in the future. Like, whoa, we got to slow down. So I took a leave of absence and I was like, well, I'll just like get a job, 
uh, doing something I have a mild interest in, which is wine, because I always waited tables. And so I got a job at... Well, and you did, like, art history and philosophy, right? Jillian did art history, my oh. wife, and I, I just did philosophy and political philosophy. So, like, there was a connection between, like, wine and... Philosophy. Yeah, it's all in there. I feel like yeah. anybody could connect to wine if they actually yeah, wanted to. So I got a job at a wine shop, and... I knew instantly I wanted to get in the wine industry and uh, not too long after I had worked there, uh, a woman walked into my wine shop and I was putting away, you know, there's like wine preserve cans. I love this story. It's just like the cans full of air, like it's argon uh, and argon is a gas that's heavier that sits on the wine and doesn't let oxygen like float up. So air cans, 12 pack of air cans I was putting away. And she walked in, this woman walked in, and I was so, like, stunned by her presence. <laughs> I, like, dropped all these cans. And it was like, ping, 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 ping. Like, just a total <laughs> mess. They're, like, bouncing away from you. <laughs> Very embarrassing. And I blush really easily, so that was even worse. I had to, like, look away. Look <laughs> away while you pick up these cans. And, um got it together i complimented her on her shoes which were like um sparkly sparies and i had just finished picking up all these cans and she was talking to me and i dropped them again and it was like ping, 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 ping. And i was like oh my god what is wrong with you got it together elkins <laughs> So I got it together and more or less like we had this like just really intense, uh, you know, and she's a beautiful woman. And so you have to like, no, you have to have this like look where it's like, I'm attracted to you. You're attracted <laughs> to me because you wouldn't know she was gay and you probably wouldn't know I was gay either. And so we had this like really intense connection and she left the wine shop. And I went into our vendor database and found her phone number. And I texted her immediately because I had complimented her on these sparkly fairies. And I said, you know, I have like a friend crush on you and your shoes. And she said, wow, that was fast. <laughs> and she said, is there anything else you're coveting? And I said, I can think of a few things. And we were Whoa, off to the races okay. so we got together that yeah. night and hung out with her friends and i'll say we brian and i walked into the shop it was on a saturday right and so yeah. we walked in the shop like later after jillian had left and alicia we had started like we were friends with yeah. alicia and usually she's like hey guys <laughs> so we went in there every week so she's usually like hey guys how's work this and that and this day she like took like a beeline to us and was like oh my god this woman came into the shop today and she like told us immediately and and you're like yeah I already texted her and this and that so like I remember the yeah. day that you met Jillian no it was like very I mean like I don't know I'm wow. not like a love it for sight kind of person but you know this is I think the closest approximation you could get to that experience and we've been together ever since so yeah 10 years in so yeah. 10 years two kids wow. in like they live in the suburbs like they moved to the suburbs before <laughs> Brian and I did yeah a dog oh my gosh you're yeah a it's wild 
got a pool yeah no yeah, it's got a pool no it's uh it's good but i mean I like a totally like a long just weird journey to getting okay with like who you are and honestly you know it's like because i still don't necessarily present in a way that you would guess i was gay from the outset i mean the the coming out you know you hear people say you're always coming out and that's just really true for me and it's still uncomfortable every time it just does not get easier you just kind of drop it in like my wife or my you know whatever right and Mm-hmm. right especially if you're talking about your kids yeah. then the like again the default is what your husband do you had sex with a man yeah what well, there's just a lot of just assumptions that are made in the world uh so sometimes i try to get ahead of it and just drop in the wife thing and then sometimes there's just an assumption and it's like do you correct it or do you don't or do you not excuse me and mm-hmm. it's like not oh i don't always correct it sometimes i'm like i don't care like you're gonna disappear from my life in one second you're like a i don't know this is a transactional conversation so i don't care to like have to communicate that to you but you know in work situations when i'm dealing with suppliers you kind of have to correct it or else you feel like you're living a lie or it will be weird when they find out that, you know, you're not. It's like when you, if someone gets your name wrong and then like a year in, you can't correct it. Yeah. Right. Like you have to mm-hmm. do it up front. No. Right. So you, you find yourself kind of like trying to lead with it just to get it out there to normalize and like the environment before it gets, but it's never comfortable. It's something like, you know, you can have, it's something that if you present the way I do to the world, which is you can't assume I'm gay or you w- would not assume I'm gay, it's just a constant like point of you know discomfort because you're always coming out. Sure, absolutely, and I think that's such an interesting you know framework to lay on top of this whole thing, and a, and a really important message. It's just so how like the um the framework of heteronormativity um really sort of lays on top of everything which is most of most of us don't either the either our identities live on our faces right so um like kosha and i no one would ever if we don't have to tell people that we're people of color exactly we don't right like it's we're not white you see us you're like oh so right exactly um whereas and it works in our favor to be a, the heteronormativity framework works in our favor because then we also don't have to constantly be thinking about who to share our yep. identity with or not. But I think, but for people whose presentation doesn't match the stereotype, right. and this you know probably works in other ways too. I mean, I have a friend who tends to present a little bit more on you know what one might be called a butch lesbian right that's a different kind of correction which is also unfair and then you go well, who do i need well to i remember to? having this like uh memory when i was living at home when i was 20 like that summer i was coming out and um i i don't know maybe that was like the summer that like ellen degeneres and portia de rossi got together and i remember thinking like Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like I don't relate to Ellen vis- like visually, and I don't look anything like Portia Rossi. But I was like, this is a woman who's like 
very feminine presenting from an external perspective and her coming out and that was really huge for me and it really made such a difference with me starting to be okay with my sexuality and the representation right the the, the importance of me coming out because you know I'm not necessarily somebody you would assume is gay is like extra important to be like visible in that way and so yeah it's like trying to be brave and sometimes you you still fail sometimes for me and not everybody my i'm 35 a lot of gay people my age gay women my age are like i will just never never gonna dissemble again in front of somebody i am who i am and sometimes for me i'm just like i don't know it's just not necessarily worth it to like correct them and I feel okay about that, but it's like, meh. am I like doing myself or somebody else a disservice by not correcting them when they, I don't know, it's complicated. I see what you mean. It It is complicated. And there is a lot of like, how much emotional capital- Do I want to spend on you? Yeah. Yes. Especially when it is very transactional, like in a more broader sense, right? That because the personal is a political, and the political is personal, right? If you think about what we've been through over the last five years, you know, people are that you, people have been emboldened to uh, embrace and share racist, homophobic, misogynistic, xenophobic, transphobic views that they have, and which they may have otherwise kept yeah. quiet. And uh, the question is for all of us, right? If random person in line at the grocery store says something, do I, is it for me to go and engage right. with that person? What's the, what's the cost benefit analysis? And can I actually incur that cost? Do I want to incur yeah. that cost? Um, as opposed to, you know, it's one thing if it's like, you know, your cousin's husband or something where it's like, no, this is like, someone I may interact with on a regular basis. And that person I need to have a conversation with because, you know, they're kind of in my sphere. Whereas like random person over here, you know, random vendor, delivery person, whoever it is, right? You're just like, how much is this going to cost me? And is it worth it? I feel like I should take that on because I can, you know, and it, it really can be a compelling psychological shift to realize oh like being a gay woman doesn't mean you look like this and i i take that like seriously it's like you you know i'm really gay i'm not i don't say i'm bisexual i'm like 100 percent very gay very attracted to women and i think that it's important to do your best to <laughs> represent that when you can and like try to harness this emotional energy to correct people and to just be a good ally to other people and think about who you're ultimately supporting down the road by being so visible. Yeah. When I think like, you know, you said you weren't w willing to give up that privilege, Oh yeah. but you still have yep. privilege and the way to you, you know, harness and use that privilege Definitely. is by maybe representing, you know, but also you don't have to do that every single time. Totally. But like at the end of the day, like I'm white, I have privilege from being a white person. 
you know, like, you know, I move freely in the world. And I think that there's absolutely a responsibility that uh, I have to identify and like lift other people up. Yeah. Kosha and I were just talking about how, you know, this, the, the reflection that, or the moment that we're in the part of the conversation that we're having about um, being an ally and how we can all use our privilege. I was just saying, you know, for people who did not fit into the gender binary and they started using their pronouns yeah. and it was a, like telling people, these are my pronouns, please use these pronouns. And there was a lot of like, eh, this, that, like, what is it? You know, like a lot of lack of, and I'm sure in some parts of the world or some parts of the even, you know, states, it's still like that. Like, oh, why are you doing that? That's so, eh. Oh, totally. Yeah. For certain places, a shift really happened, not when those people who were, you know, who were trying to be like, I'm not part of the binary. So please don't make assumptions about me. Uh, were sharing their pronouns, but when all of us started doing it. There was a woman uh, I went to college with, and this was like way before any of these are more like woke conversations mm-hmm. around pronouns. And I remember her referring to her partner, and I remember thinking like, okay, like what's going on? And no, she had a male partner, but she was just being an ally and how she referenced this guy. And I thought that was, I mean, obviously it's been a lot of years. I remember it. So now, that made an impression. You can't assume that a man and a woman who have kids are married also, right? Exactly. That like, if someone says partner, they could mean like, I've been with, it's my, you know, opposite gendered companion who have we yeah. been together or whatever. Like he's, and they don't want to get married or they're not going to, or they're being an ally or they're gay. Like it could mean so many different things. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to just bring up because it's something that has stuck in my mind is when you and your wife, Jillian, were getting married and you had this whole conversation about what to wear. Do you remember? Can you talk about this a little bit? Because that like people wanted to be like, well, who's going to wear the tuxedo? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, you know, my wife is a beautiful woman and, you know, feminine and, you know, she, she was going to wear a wedding dress obviously. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to wear a suit. I want to wear a dress as well, but I'm like, man, the like two bride dresses that didn't like work for me either and it was like a real point of kind of stress of like okay what what do we each wear um to be ourselves and to I don't know it's strange so I ended up just getting like a $150 you know beautiful like party dress and I was like great you know like I don't need a but it was bright blue wasn't it yeah it was like teal or something but yeah Yeah. it just was like a a good foil to a white wedding dress but yeah I mean the whole conversation of like the gay wedding and what that's like and who walks with who whom and who's given away like quote unquote and who's yeah well yeah and, and honestly like you know having those conversations and having to like make those decisions really sheds light on like the patriarchy absolutely yes 
Absolutely. The dad gives away and it's like, well, well, actually, like, we paid for this wedding. Like, no, no dad's paid for our wedding. So I don't know. It was, yeah, definitely a conversation and kind of weird to think about. Well, and that whole, that whole giving away, it's very, like, patriarchal and, like, my father is giving me to my husband. To another man. But then, so honestly, it actually was softened and for me, like, became, like, more beautiful and, like, okay by the, like, you know, my dad was older um, and, you know, the idea that he wasn't giving me to another man. He was walking me to my new life with this new person. Yeah. I thought that was really beautiful and great and took the some of the weirdness out of what... And that could be an, uh, the interpretation for any giving away in any kind of wedding, straight or gay. I think it just recasts the... Yeah, the narrative around what was actually happening with a grown woman. I was in my late 20s when I got married, you know, my grown father and another grown woman and her grown father, you know, it's like, it's just a transition. And we make a lot of like cultural norms and traditions, which are definitely important, but some of them need to get like rethought and reimagined of like what's actually happening. Yeah, and make our own traditions. Yeah. It's no longer usually the case where the patriarch of the family is literally transferring responsibility of a daughter to another man. And so it's more like, okay, here, here, I'm literally giving her over to you. Um, but that modern weddings tend to be, you know, unions, not even weddings, unions tend to be about two people coming together, most of them, are about two people coming together to start a new life. Well, and we, you know, it's interesting you said union because when we got union, I mean, marriage was not legal in Illinois. And we had our, our, you know, wedding. Uh, So we got a civil union and that's when we had our big thing. And then a couple of years later it became legal and we ended up, you know, just, oh, pay, you know, 50 bucks and convert your, it's all a business. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, very transactional. Convert your union license to a marriage license. And you no, know, that's that, um, right. which is interesting. But what is, like the imagery of one person waiting at one side and one person walking toward that person is very like, who's doing the work here, right? Like just thinking yeah. about like one person's staying where they are and the other person's like getting there. Yeah, no, that's like what really, would a what would a union look like if both people in any came, in any union and right whether it's two women, two men, you know, uh, maybe three people would start to get a little complicated. It's all symbolic at the end of the day. The whole ceremony right. is a symbol of something else in the relationship, what's to come in the relationship, and I think that's this idea that both people are moving into a yeah. shared space as opposed to one person standing. I'm right here. Come to me. Come on. Right. And then the other person being like, wait, 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 wait for me. You're like, I will come and meet you where you are as opposed to both people coming to a shared space. Right. Like what a really powerful as we're thinking through. It's like, so anyone who's getting married. Hey, listen, take two. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. We're gonna do it again. No, absolutely. Really interesting point. Yeah. So then, um, when you decided 
to have kids. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how, like, what kind of conversations, I mean, that it, again, you know, talk about transactional. I remember yeah. you talking about like, you know, you pay X amount to see this person and then you, you pay X amount to see their baby pictures and you, like, yeah, my, my joke is always, I'm, I'm in the wrong industry. The sperm <laughs> industry is where, where the money is for sure. Uh, no, we knew we wanted to have kids pretty quickly. Um, and so um, we, you know, started, you know, you find a sperm bank, you know, random pick, there's, you know, a handful of like major ones in the country and all of them will let you see like the baby photos. And I'm like, well, that's cute and great. But like, I, I do want to see like what happens when they grow up. Also, most babies are cute. Yeah. I want to see the end result yeah. and, um, you have to pay money, more money for that, you know? You pay more money to get like a sneak peek, at like the new sperm coming on the market. But if you are interested in buying a lot with the idea that you will both have kids from this sperm and maybe it will take one of you or both of you a long time to get pregnant, it's a major investment and you have to be thinking ahead. And so we're like, okay, we know we're, we're going to, we want both of us to like share the same sperm donor. We pay, you know, paid to get the early <laughs> preview of this you know any of these dudes and to look at them so basically uh you know say probably 10 percent of sperm donors rough estimate i have actually no idea will submit adult photos Mm. say like yep this is me the sperm make makes more on that but like yep i'm willing to submit my adult photos and then an even smaller proportion, this is going back to my like my lesbian calculus. Like, who can I be with? If they're only half the population, you know, there's a lot of math. So it was also important to us that uh, we found a known donor, which meant that when the kids turned 18, he was open to being contacted. Ah. Most sperm donors are completely anonymous. They will never be contacted. They don't log their information. And for us, we wanted to give the kids the opportunity to be in touch and we can't even get in touch with this guy it has to be the kids if they want to when they're 18 and so that really narrows the field so i feel like ultimately we were looking at like less than five percent of like sperm bank dudes um and yeah we picked a a donor and (laughs) i don't know how do you pick a donor right what what are you thinking about and honestly I know this is like weird because I'm saying I'm, I'm like very gay, but I also have eyes. And so I recognize yeah. when people right. are attractive. Yeah. And so part of me was like, well, if I were straight, like, would I have sex with that person? Like that, I think that's like a pretty like natural, like biological narrative to tell yourself. It sort of intuitively makes sense, if nothing else, right? As opposed to like, I don't know, random number generator, like what, what, what? Yeah, you're like trying to like recognize like somebody that you that you could be attracted to. I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought that like seemed like kind of normal. But we basically found a donor, you know, bought a bunch of sperm and then uh my wife, who's uh a few years older than me, had our first kid, uh little girl, and then a couple years later I had our second one. So we have two little girls uh who are three and five from the same uh donor and we're done are you 
we're done. Ah, you know, I'd, I'd go for one more, but actually like life is really stressful and hard yeah. and like, no, we're, we're so like lucky with the kids that we got. And so no, we're, we're, we're good with two. And <laughs> I would say also, you've done a really, really great job of dividing the pregnancy work 50, 50. Yeah. Right? I had yep. two and I told my husband that <laughs> if he wanted another one, he, I wanted he would to have to places. carry I mean, yeah. I just want to do your job once and you do my job <laughs> once. One out of well, three seems fair. And he was like, no, I think I'm done. And I was like, yeah. Well, I the joke was like, I would always say like, I'm going to let Jillian go first and it, see how, if it's hard, maybe I won't <laughs> go, but if it looks easy, I will take my turn. And she maybe had, I won't go. <laughs> yeah. She had a great pregnancy, great delivery. Like our first was like kind of a perfect situation. And I was like, okay put me in coach. Like I'm ready. To, I'm ready to do it. And I had a really great pregnancy and kind of like not a great delivery. And then my, uh, little one had colic and it was really, uh, hell on earth. I mean, you could put me in like a torture chamber and I feel like I could survive because that's what that was. Um, so a little bit of a bait and switch. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the darndest thing about pregnancy. Yeah, it's all different. And, yep. Right. It, there's no you. It actually there's no way to rep like judge one experience from another experience. Like, oh well, this went well, and so the next one's gonna go well, or I mean, it's not gonna go well. Like you can't. Right. It's all emotional math, right? Like yeah. So now we have this little. You know, we have a couple babies as <laughs> we will call them. Uh, no, but we're in a like yeah, really great neighborhood, and I just feel like you know, there's no better time to like be the family we are than today because things keep moving forward. And it's not just not weird where we are. And it's like, yep, we're a two mom family. And my wife is taller than I am. And so she is big mom. And I'm little mom, she would prefer to be tall mom, but she is, she is oh. big mom. And <laughs> you know, the problem is you don't get to choose what children call you. Nope. So no, it's, it's, it's good. It's really good now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. That is awesome. I heard something recently about how, you know, for generally people who are othered, but particularly for people who are on, you know, who identifies LGBTQA plus, um, that there is the real desire to have them endure some trauma before they can have their joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that there should be a price to pay for stepping outside the norms that you only get to live your truth after you've, you know, done the trial by fire, basically. Yeah. You have to run, you have to go through the gauntlet and then it's okay. Right. Um, so that, you know, you have, there's a price to be paid for being able to do what you'd like. And it's so like, not just what you like, like not even like what you like, but like who you are. Right. This isn't like a, uh, this isn't like, oh, I really, you know what? I really just hate wearing dresses. I prefer to wear pants. This is not, it's not that kind of like, this is, I'm not heterosexual. I have zero sexual interest in men yeah. or minimal, right? Like I can look at the guy and be like, oh, he's attractive. Like I eat, you have eyes. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I have, I said I have eyes and it's like, yeah, it's, it's fine. I think like if you like the person, yeah, it's fine to have a sexual encounter with them. It can be fine. It doesn't need to be, you know, like 
eh, a peanut. It's fine. It's just like not going. It's just like not, not exciting. It's just not exciting. But it's totally fine. But could I be am I making my grocery list with all this stuff? Maybe you know, like. Well, you know, it's a as you even as you were saying that, like for me, it's like. Uh, so I, everyone who knows me knows I hate celery. Like, hate hate it. Celery. Celery. Like I can't stand it. I find it disgusting inedible now if someone said you have to eat this would i be like well i would rather starve to death no No. or if somehow some celery ended up in a dish i liked would i be like well screw all of it well let actually this let me share an interesting story that this reminds me of so after i had my like you know gay sexual awakening had my sexual experiences with women, I thought to myself, well, maybe I'm an awakened sexual being now. And maybe I should like try men again, just to see, like, am I maybe, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you're pan. Yeah. I didn't even know what that was back then. I know now. Um, Also because of Schitt's Creek. (laughs) And I know that it's, yeah. um, I've been educated by my younger friends. So I went back home. You know, I was still quite young, very early 20s. And I met up with like a high school boyfriend and we went out and this guy was so attractive, like just everything, like just the perfect dude. We made out after hanging out and like, you wanted things to be hot and heavy. And I just was like, man, no, I'm just gay. I'm just like really gay. And that was it. I was like, yeah, I just got to go home now. <laughs> not, not here for it. You know, when you know, you know. Now, before your, and this is going back in the story, but before your best friend, when you're laying in the hammock, before she was like, hey, I got to tell you something, which usually you'd be like, you know, I can't hang out next Saturday <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like when you said that thing, right. it kind of upset me or whatever, but like, she dropped this lightning bolt on you, right? I know you never like allowed yourself to even, it wasn't an option, but did you have attraction to women? Did you find yourself being like, gosh, she's really pretty or like wanting to kiss somebody or like imagine? No, it was never, it was never conscious. I had a friend in high school who we had a really intense friendship, like a very passionate friendship that like looking back, I realized was probably sort of nascent gay feelings definitely very charged very emotional but it just literally never occurred to me that that was could be a romantic thing or was that Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. was maybe sexual way deep down it just it just wasn't so I had you know you I think you hear this from people that are older and gay you know like my age 35 and older where you have these like really passionate friendships and that's some sort of like canary in the coal mine for what's really going on um and looking back definitely but in the moment never i mean not even on not even in like the small part of my mind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh this reminds me of the uh Malcolm Gladwell's latest book which name I cannot remember talking to strangers 
Okay, thank you. Right, about sort of like how we have an idea in our head and then we filter all of our experiences through that filter yep. and whatever doesn't fit, we make it fit. Yeah. So it fits our idea, right? It fits the form that we have in our head. And if something's off, it, they make, we just figure out a make way to make it fit until we get to a place where we're like, you know, like the glass breaks and you can't unsee it or you can't unknow it. And then everything starts to fall into place when you look back and you go, oh, that thing. And that no, and, it, and it's crazy. I mean, you, you know, I watch, you know, you watch shows nowadays and you see all this like wonderful representation in the media uh, of gay life and like just, you know, the panoply of sexual options available to people. I did not know that was a word. That's an amazing yeah, word. Right. <laughs> the opposite of monopoly. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A panoply um and you know i think to my i'm like a little bit i gotta admit like i'm jealous of kids you know these days because you know people talk about these like teenage hormones i'm like i just never had that i had like my teenage hormones when i was in my like you know early 20s like that's when i had my you know and i, I sometimes I talk to my wife and i'm like oh my god i cannot imagine you know, being a teenager out, like that is just so incomprehensible to me. And like having a little high school girlfriend, it just was so not part of the program, you know, in the nineties and it is now. And I think that's just so great that things are moving in a direction where people can just, you know, be who they want to be. And, you know, the fact is, no, I would not choose this. Like if I was, you know, being born, he said, we'd choose this like harder path. Like, you know, probably not. And so, you know, you have people, family members and like, you know, friends say, you know, like ask me about like, well, our, our kids, are you like, you know, nervous that they're going to be gay? Right. Cause like we're, we're gay. We're raising kids or are they going to be gay? And it's like, well, you're going to put gayness on them. Exactly. You're going to like, Put your gay cooties on and i said like do you remember like choosing to be attracted to men no of course no like i don't remember there was not never chosen it's so much easier to be the default like even just in when you're no, I, talking course. to people and like introducing yourself to people and then we were you know we talked to at the first episode of the season was with a transgender 16 year old girl and named Violet, and she's amazing. And then we talked to her dad, Seth. Seth. Yes, Seth yeah. Turner. And um, Seth was like, my least favorite question. Like, I hate. We need to stop asking questions. Like, well, how does she know? Because how did you know? Well, exactly. That you were straight. Yeah, and you knew you were that before you had any physical experience or any sexual experience. Exactly. I, I remember thinking like when I, you know, when my friend induced my light bulb moment of like being gay and I remember sort of this very symbolic like turning of the head in the other direction and I was like, oh, obviously, like, yes, like it just felt so clear to me. Yeah, even though I had never uh, actually like ventured into that territory, I just knew that that was 
right thing for me. And yes, there's a total, yeah, presumptuous, well, you need to like prove it thing in, in, in yeah. all walks of like sexuality or, you know, you name it. And it's like, actually people can be who they want to be and they don't owe anything to anybody. <laughs> there's no explanation needed. Well, you know, the, the flip side of that is like, how do you know that you're straight unless you have tried to be gay? Like, totally. Yeah, this whole like, maybe you just haven't met the right man. Yeah. Well, maybe you, <laughs> maybe you dude, have not mes- met the right man to be gay with. Or how do you know that you're cisgendered? Well, have you tried? Maybe you don't know that you're transgender unless you try being transgender. Like, do the, tra- do the thing of being transgendered, right? Then maybe it'll make sense to you. That just sounds ridiculous. Well, no, and that should should bring bring to bring in clear light just the amount of privilege the person that dares ask that question has. Yeah. Yeah. How would, how would how would you actually be like, well, how do you know that you're cisgendered if you haven't experienced, even tried to experience what it might be like to, you know, to be a transgender person? Yeah. But that's how do you know that you are hetero heterosexual? If you haven't, like, how can you be sure if you haven't tried the other thing? Identities are not food. Yeah. Imagine being in a society where, like, you know, the norm is actually to experiment with the sex that you're not attracted to, but you need to try it because that's what the thing is. One of our guests, uh, Lisa, who's going to be coming up soon, was read us a little passage from a book about like, imagine living in a world where everyone is obsessed with pie, right? And that was the like, oh, pie, pie, pie. Like all the songs were about pie and all of the books were about pie. I like cake. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so this idea that like the norm is that people like pie. Yeah. And if you're like, I don't like that, then people, or, and for her, it was like, I don't understand what the big deal is, but taking that analogy just back a little bit and saying, if pie is being heterosexual and you're like, I don't understand, I'm not interested in pie. I hate right? it. If pie means opposite sex, I'm not interested in pie. I want cake. Yeah. Right. Like that's a valid approach to the world too. Well, have you tried it? Have you tried all the all the have pies? Have you tried all exist? the pies? Well, you haven't tried my pie. Yeah. That's even the worst. You haven't tried my pie. Yeah. I, I'm I'm really my pie's amazing. Right. And so Yeah. Or or imagine a world in which uh being attract being partnered with the same sex was the norm. And you were, you know, think as a, as a heterosexual person, what would it be like if you were dropped in a different planet where everyone still humans looked like you, but the default was for same-sex relationships? That was the, that was the Melissa Athra's concert. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And there's, there's this like crazy added layer of like the fetishizing of the like same-sex, like lesbians basically. And it's like, well now you're you know it's so complicated now you're taking your like heteronormative you know situation and like you're sexualizing at the same time diminishing my relationship and it's and only making it quote okay when it works for you in a way well imagine being on a date uh which has happened to me 
so many times out with somebody I was with and you're starting to get hit on by two dudes that think you're two girlfriends out. I mean, right. I mean, it happens constantly. It happens. It's happened with my college girlfriend happens, you know, with my wife and it's like people just don't get it. Or there's just this real presumption. And it's like, well, how do you handle that? Do they actually we're together or like, and then you can get um harassed like i know there are stories of like a lesbian couple you know two women getting beat up or or being like catcalled and being like why don't you guys kiss and stuff like oh yeah yeah you don't know in that situation you know to to kind of harken back to what you were saying before do we put ourselves in a potential risky situation or do we just keep our mouths well, shut. Well, yeah, and is was- this where I'm spending my emotional, you know, capital? Yeah. But am I missing an opportunity to be an ally? I mean, the default, that the non-other, that hegemony is not thinking those things constantly. No, but it, and yeah, totally. And it's just a very like, what's the right word? Just like a denaturing experience where you're yeah. just like, this is... Very yeah, dehumanizing. Yeah. Yeah. Objectified. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have two questions that we wrap. Okay. And the first one I, the second to last I get to ask, which is, as Kosha referenced at the, you know, at the beginning, we know that you're not an expert. You're an expert in being yourself, but you don't speak for every lesbian person ever, right? Right. Um, Or every potential lesbian person ever. Um, But given your experience and your journey, what would you tell someone who's sort of either suspects that they might be gay or lesbian or pansexual right or or non like sort of is at the precipice of trying to figure out am i gonna walk across the line am i not how much you know am i ready am i not ready yeah um and what kind of questions would you ask them to think about as they're you know wrestling with who they are well i think like I don't know. I think if you are thinking about these things, then, you know, you already know that there may be something there. And so I'd say, you know, don't like question it too much. As you approach, you know, communicating who you are, which does not have to be defined at all, it's just who you are or who you love however you want that to be i think you know having empathy for like for the people that you're telling is is something that like you know we're quick right now to you know cancel people that are not having correct um you know responses to our news of who we are and i think that emo- i think that's like fair but i also think People are just doing what they can, and most of the time they're getting shocked when you hit hit them with this kind of news. And so, just realizing that it's um, you're the one in power delivering the news, and so you're also the one that's able to bestow a little bit of grace that should feel good. That like realizing you have the power; it's your life. That's the biggest thing, I think. And like, just keep moving you'll find your people and you'll find somebody you'll love and it'll be good. It's so much better. 
on the side where you realize like this is where my attraction and desire is to like flounder around in that area then like be able then to be able to like you know be a precision hunter in a realm you don't even want to be hunting in right just like be okay with not knowing i love that i love that too that's a beautiful that's a beautiful like sentiment to just be like be where you want to be and it's better to like not know what you're doing where you totally right where your heart is calling you as opposed to like being really good at something where you're like oh yeah right and that's i think that's generally beautiful life advice whether it's about you know like i you know pursuing and understanding your identities and like pursuing that life or just like career passion anything yeah yeah oh yeah I totally agree our hobbies like don't do something that you don't like even if you're so good at it exactly so our last question is you know it is uh kind of an overlay from the first season but it's been so fun (laughs) to end things like this uh especially because some of the conversations can be kind of heavy but uh we talk about familect which is like family varietals of words and language and things that only you inside your family uh would know no, I, I just feel like at this point, we're so boring. We just don't, I know, of course it will come to me as I'm like walking home from this. Yeah, two o'clock in the morning. You know what I will say though? You already talked about some of your family acts. You said big mom and small mom. That's probably it. Well, because you know, as a, a, a lesbian couple, you have to talk about, okay, are you, what are you going to be? What are your monikers? Yeah. And so I was always going to be mom and she was going to be mama. And that has like loosely kept, but my wife is like four inches taller than I am. And she is a bigger mom. And so at one point, I don't remember even which kid it was, but said like, I want big mom. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I was like, Jillian, She's calling you Big Mom. (laughs) (laughs) See, that is family. Well, and now at like the daycare, the daycare when they do the Mother's Day, which they're so great, they do the two cards and it's like, what do you call your mom? I remember the first Mother's Day and she's like, Big Mom and Little Mom. And so they like wrote like Little Mom, (laughs) Big Mom. Oh my gosh. Yeah. First of all, Jillian is taller, but she is. She's so lean. She's like a, a string bean. So she's like, I think you mean tall mom <laughs> but yeah and kids yeah. are gonna be like no nope, that's not what i mean yeah i said big little mommy yeah, I, <laughs> I know you think i don't know what to- i kind of think like when when will this run its course how long will these i don't stick i think around? it's gonna be at their weddings if they decide yeah that that's what they want big mom and little mom will walk yeah. them as their other partner is walking actively with their people <laughs> meeting in the middle they're going to the middle they're going to that's the thing space. we keep teaching them is like there's every family is different some families are moms and dads some are two moms some is a grandma and a dad so we're just trying to give them as many iterations of family as could exist and you know just normalize yeah, the absolutely. otherness uh, and multitude of family Well, you are lovely. 
you guys were lovely. I love this. Wonderful time. So Thank fun. you for sharing your story. And yeah. um, go be with Big Mom and those two gorgeous kids. Big Mom and little kids. Or Jillian. <laughs> I know. <laughs> love you, girl. Love you guys. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. This is so awesome. Bye. Oh, you're Thanks. so awesome. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Babe. Take care. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.